0: is the mulberry, lane show. the mulberry lane show exclusive interviews fun music celebrities yeah, where I wanna be. your weekend getaway
1: my, my now
0: here's mulberry lane rachel beau and ellie cat Be a part of the family. Well, happy middle of the summer. Happy weekend. After the
2: 4th
3: of July, sisters, are we still celebrating? Sure, why not? Gotta do it. Still got some fireworks. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to continue celebrating. Guys, we're glad you're here with us. It's the weekend, so you know it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. We're off to a hot start. And sisters, let's list those guests.
2: The Mulberry Lane show's on Celebrity story songs You're gonna
3: have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Up first, Grammy-winning singer-songwriter Paula Cole You know her for this song
1: Where is my happy Where go, the cowboys go. And my the And song I don't wanna
3: 20th anniversary of her album *This Fire*, which she self-produced and was the very first female artist to be nominated for a Producer of the Year Grammy. Now Paula is here today. She's going to talk all about the tour, the live album celebrating the 20th anniversary, and her journey as a singer-songwriter in the '90s and how she was unaware she was breaking barriers for women at the time. And the title of her massive hit, "Where Have All the
2: Cowboys Gone," is a question that's still relevant today, no matter how you.
3: Right, and you know she does talk about how different people, depending on their background, interpreted the song in different ways. And you'll find out how she meant the song today. Mm -hmm. Rachel, and then it's multi award winning pianist and composer Doug Hammer. Doug Hammer is a classically trained pianist, but he does everything from classical to new age, and his latest album is called Americana, and it debuted at number 8 on the iTunes New Age chart. Go Doug! It's a combination of a lot of Americana folk tunes, patriotic songs, some original compositions. You're gonna hear all about it. How this Boston Berkeley College of Music grad tapped into the Boston music scene to pull this album together. And Doug has performed all over the world,
2: including the prestigious Carnegie Hall. Okay, Allie, who's next? Then we wrap up things today with New Age and jazz artist, Louis Koliana. You guys, you can catch Louis Kuliana in concert this weekend at the Sumter Amphitheater in Papillion. features Nebraska's Donovan Johnson's Rustic Band. So one of those really fun outdoor evenings, and there's also going to be quite a bit of patriotic music, so
3: perfect middle-of-the-summer bash. And part of the proceeds from the ticket sales go to Nebraska's Wounded Warrior Project. So all around, great concert, great cause. Mm -hmm. Okay guys, well before we kick things off and bring the guests on the show, Rachel, you were talking a little bit about your son Casey and what he was saying earlier this week. Oh, yeah. Well, Casey's just turned nine years old. When he gets together with his little dude friends, you know, they're all about trying to outdo each other, and there's that smack talk that happens, flexing. Oh, yeah, all of that. That's all starting. We had hung out with a couple of his friends, and we were on the way home. Casey turns to me and he says, You know, Mom, I'm not just average, I'm savage. Oh my gosh, (laughs) it's starting. (laughs) Oh yeah, they start early, those guys. Uh, There's your trouble. (laughs) Yep, you're not kidding. So I think I'm going to have to keep an extra eye on that savage little dude, make sure he doesn't get too out of control. You got your work cut out for you. That's a good rhyme though, I'll give him that. Alright, well, you guys,
2: I just have to borrow from Casey, we don't just have an average show for you today, we've got a savage show.
3: Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back with Paula Cole Singer-songwriter known for her hit Where of all the cowboys gone She's got a new album out You're going to hear all about it Right back here on the Mulberry Lane Show Brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology
2: Feel that excitement? That's what we're talking about Uh We
1: are family
0: I've got all my sisters with me Meet the celebrities on your radio station Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane.
3: Well, 20 years ago, singer-songwriter Paula Cole released her hit album, This Fire, that spawned the hit songs Where Have All the Cowboys Gone and I Don't Wanna Wait, and it earned her seven Grammy nominations in a Best New Artist Grammy. Now, Paula is back to celebrate the 20th anniversary with a tour, a live album, This Bright Red Feeling, and studio re-recordings of her hits. Paula, cola, cue the song 20 years of where have all the
1: cowboys gone?
4: Oh my God, you guys are fantastic. You even made an original
3: composition.
4: That's the intro. (laughs) Thank you.
3: Great to have you with us. And Mm -hmm. I think the very first thing we need to cover here is you are the first female artist to have been nominated for a Grammy for producer of the year for producing your own album. So, you know, talk about what led you to self-produce at that time and breaking the barriers for that for women.
4: Well, I didn't know that I was breaking any barriers. I just wanted my work to sound the way I wanted it to sound and for my ideas to go straight to tape, because it was two-inch tape at the time, right? It was analog in the 90s. And it always felt like there was a middleman, and I'd have to try to convey my ideas, and it may or may not be interpreted correctly, so I scrapped the first version of this fire that I was working with a producer on, and went to Warner Brothers and said, I want to scrap this, and I want to do it myself. Fortunately, they said okay, but I had half a budget to work with, and then I had to find an engineer, and it took... Several interviews to find the right person, because almost every man, because this is a world of airplane pilots, right, there were just very few females in the field... Mm -hmm every man kind of automatically assumed that they would be producers. So it was so interesting, just anthropologically, what was going on, I guess, I guess, right? And I finally I found a sweetheart of a guy who was a brilliant engineer and just a gentle soul and was really comfortable with being an engineer and letting me produce. His name was Roger Moutnow. Okay. And so we went into the studio and I had to go under budget and I knew exactly what I wanted. For me, that's part of the creativity and I loved Kate Bush and she produced her own work. You can hear her voice in the production. So I only realized later when I was nominated and that there had never been like a single woman who had been nominated before, wow, no wonder it seems like I kept, you know, bumping into walls because it just hadn't been done before. All I was doing was following my instinct.
3: Uh But, you know, that's hard to do, especially when you're signed to a major label and you kind of feel like, well, they've been through this before. They know better. I mean, that was really insightful of you to be able to stick to your guns and and listen to that inner voice. That's
4: exactly what it was, sticking to my guns and listening to the inner voice. That's really all it was. And it just shows you, too, how kind of infantilizing the culture was mm-hmm. of record labels. And you'd be a female artist, signs a label, and they'd pinch you on the cheek and say, okay, dear, we're going to connect you to your producer. Right? <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, actually, I have the arrangements. I know how to know write how music. To I can express myself. Yeah. I don't need somebody.
2: Right, and then so often I think producers want to give you almost like female-sounding production, where sometimes you want it more edgy or a little bit more male-sounding
4: Yeah We cut the tracks really quickly, and it was very earthy I believed in my drummer I mean, that was the other thing, is I brought musicians that had been with me since I was 19 and we went to school together Jay Bellarose on drums and Kevin Barry on guitar and I brought these two musicians into my career with me. Initially, the record label didn't want these musicians. They wanted their... Hired guns, the kind of stock players that were popular on the scene at the time. But fascinatingly, Jay is since, and Kevin, both, they've had fabulous careers now that everybody's heard them. Uh-huh. Jay is basically T-Bone Burnett's right-hand man as on drums, on anything he does. Oh, that's correct. I uh, know. So he's had his own fabulous career, but we grew up musically together. And so Jay and I, we just went into the studio and cut all the tracks for this fire in. Basically, a day and
3: a half. What was the feedback from the record label after you had brought this album in under budget? You had produced it yourself, you won the Grammy for Best New Artist, and you know, was nominated for a Grammy for Producer of the Year. What was their reaction?
4: Well, it's interesting because I was attached to a boutique label called Imago that had signed me first, and they still technically have, you know, percentage. He was the problem, but Warner Brothers, they were open. And when I finally had, where have all the cowboys gone, like, comped and had a rough mix up on the board, and I invited Joe McEwen, who was A&R for Warner Brothers, down, this is in New York City, Mm -hmm. at, um, the magic shop on Mm -hmm. Crosby street. And he came down and it was just kind of unspoken. We could all feel and sense Mm -hmm. the magic of the track. Mm -hmm. I think he was blown away. Mm -hmm. I think that we all kind of felt the zeitgeist starting to roll. (laughs) Very gratifying. It was, it was wonderful. Well,
2: right now you're listening to the Mulberry lane show and we're talking with Grammy winning singer, songwriter and producer Paula Cole.
3: Now, you re-recorded Where Have All the Cowboys Gone for this 20th anniversary. So what was it like going in the studio, you know, and of course you've sung it thousands of times on tour, but, you know, re-recording it for an album 20 years later?
4: Which is a funny thing to do, right? But I want to own the masters, wow. um, just as an act of empowerment as an artist. Yeah. Yes. Um Also, what's fascinating is what it was. It was a forensic journey, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because we really replicated the tracks. And there was a lot of complexity and beauty to it, a lot of magic. So... It's pretty close, except for a lyrical twist in Cowboys. And fact. You
3: have put into your live shows, so you do have to share the lyrical twist.
4: All right. So I wrote this song, gosh, I mean, it was probably 1992 when I wrote Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, and it just filled out onto a page, right? That question, that hypothetical. And I thought to myself, it'd be so nice to have a pop tune that's like a little bit sarcastic and uses some humor but is wistful at the same time and comes from a woman's perspective because there isn't a lot of female humor in pop and XTC was kind of informing me even though it doesn't sound anything like XTC it's very American and organic Mm -hmm. just their humor inspired me so it's sarcastic and I find it funny that European audiences kind of understood the irony and the sarcasm more. American audiences really believed it more fundamentally except you know certain pockets Uh Uh, who tend to be my lifelong fans. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so it was interesting to me that kind of the dark humor was lost I mean, even Rush Limbaugh would, like, play it on his (laughs) radio station and say, Oh, I love this song. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) each his own. It was very fascinating to me to learn about people this way. Uh, And how
3: people (laughs) interpret it. Uh, That's the thing with making music, because you have your own intention, and then you send it out, and then it becomes... Yeah. different things to different people and it says more about them how they interpret it
4: you know that's absolutely right and you know that because you're an artist So, yeah you let go and you see it and it's fascinating and so somewhere on the journey I think it was probably after I had my daughter and I took an eight year hiatus from the music business and really wondered even if I should come back and I did and I have smaller audiences on the other side but it feels more authentic uh-huh. yeah and true and true and so I started singing, uh, you go wash the dishes, while I go have a beer, and then i do a little curtsy, like, ha-ha, you know? (laughs) And the audiences just loved it, the American audiences, right? And the men, too. They all loved it. They all loved the freedom from the gender role thing that we play, right? So that's the lyrical twist. I finally added that to the re-record. Yeah,
1: that's awesome.
2: Well, that's Grammy-winning singer, songwriter, and producer Paula Cole. And we'll be back with more from Paula just for you here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: Oh, you get me ready 56, Chevy? Why don't we go sit down in the shade? Check shelter on my front porch. The dandelions like a
0: Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane.
2: Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. You just heard the first part of our chat with Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter, Paula Cole. Paula was just talking about the re-recording of her hit, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, and how she changed up some of the lyrics. And right now she's talking about the remake and updating of the music video. So come along and let's get
3: back with Paula Cole right now. Melora Hardin from The Office directed the video. You know, it kind of depicts a happy ending, which, you know, the song doesn't necessarily get you there, but you were originally reluctant to kind of go with her vision, but then you did, so talk us through that whole process.
4: So Melora's a dear friend, and she is a happy, ebullient, creative woman, and and she's also enjoying some of her greatest success in her middle years, playing Jan on The Office or Tammy on Transparent that she just was nominated for an Emmy for, and she was bothered by my 1990s video. She just thought it was boring and dark, and it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and she thinks like a director. And like a good friend to tell you the truth I you know. It. Oh, she tells me. And I knew that I would have to let her boss me around, but I thought, you know, I need some bossing around because I'm in my own way right now. You trusted her. Oh, I really trusted her. I really worked with her. She's such a fabulous leader and she made it into a love story and it is reflective of my life. I am happier now and it is better being in my middle years with a great, you know, human being. That's my partner, David, and having kids and being in this place. Like, I defy all that nonsense about it not getting better. It does get better and it gets better if you want it to get better. And so it has And it's reflected in this video My happiness And her pushing me And my age And everything I was terrified to be seen Mm -hmm. I'm very much a hermit And I am fine to be heard And I struggle to be seen And I needed to get out of my own way And just be proud of my white hair And the fact that I was 48 when I shot it And just
3: be Why why do you think it is that we don't see more women In their 40s making music And being shown in, in music videos Well, I think it starts with the woman themselves
4: We just think that pop music is for young people It's nonsense yeah, It's
3: really interesting how that kind of manifests itself In the marketplace I
4: know, and it doesn't have to be that way that It doesn't way. have to be a fashion statement It doesn't have to be done by models You know, pop stars that are size 2
3: And look a certain way Or are 22 years old it and can you know, be, Your voice is absolutely incredible I mean, it, it sounds amazing. I almost think the new vocal is better than the old vocal. Oh, honey,
4: thank you so much Well, it's, my voice has definitely opened up Like it's got a lot more personality to the tone And especially for my fans that come to shows They tell me that, your voice is better now There's some truth to that Like the way opera singers really weren't in their prime until their 40s There's so, something that happens to the voice As long as you take care of your body and your
3: health Now you have a lot of jazz influence in your background So how does that influence your pop stylings? would you say? Is there concrete things you can point to?
4: well, I could probably get technical and identify this or that. Like, I love tension, so, you know, I might land on notes that aren't just the diatonic or, you know, the one or the three or the five. I might go to the nine or the four. Or or I could go through my albums and say, well, this song called Rhythm of Life on the Amen album is a set of complex chord changes with all kinds of tensions on it, and I weave in influences that are from Billie Holiday and Miles Davis, and John Coltrane, and I worship at the altar of music. I listen to the masters. I don't see music as being a fashion statement at all. I think that's folly. I think it's weird that we all listen to the newest 20-year-old when... You know, some of our favorite artists are getting better, and I'm interested in Stevie Wonder and Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel, and then there's occasional ones that come on the scene. And To me, it's all music, and those genres and those labels are just about dollars. Yeah. It's all yeah. marketing yep. and putting us into demographic groups so they can advertise to us and sell mm-hmm. their wares. That, Or, you know, even worse, it was about race. Like R&B became rock and roll because it was Elvis singing it. Yeah. and they wanted to segregate radio and make it white radio and black radio and then rock was white and R&B was black yeah. and it's not you listen to early rock and it's R&B peers it's exactly the same so to me like music is this wonderful cauldron it is this melting pot we're all one that is the universal language I'm so passionate about this and I feel really strongly about it and I'm making my first album of covers. I'm releasing it later this year. And it's all jazz covers right? There's jazz and there's also Roots American music okay. and I feel like they should be side by side. I have the Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry and then a field song from the 1800s and then a, a jazz classic and they're all beautiful American chestnuts that oh. belong next
3: to each other. Oh it'll be so neat to hear your voice on those yes, songs. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, right now you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show and we're talking with Grammy winning singer, songwriter and producer Paula Cole.
3: So now, what is on the live album, This Bright Red Feeling? So there's the two re-records of the big hits,
4: Where Have All the Cowboys Gone and I Don't Want to Wait. And then there's nine live tracks, and eight of which are this fire song.
3: Okay, and then were those recorded all in one concert, or did you have it recorded several different ones and then put together?
4: No, it was all one night. It was mm-hmm. one magical night in New York City. Wow, awesome.
3: How were you under that kind of pressure, when you know it's being recorded for live? And Well, I didn't do it that way. I didn't record it thinking okay I'm going to
4: try to get a live album and usually when I do that it ends up really bad (laughs) so it was just a fabulous night and my sound engineer who's been working with me now for 10 years he records every night Okay. and I said to him this was a really good show can I listen to the live tapes and we did and we uh, had to bring them to get mastered because some of the levels were off but it's warts and all baby it's like all all the junk is there and it's great the crowd was fantastic so there were three songs I think that didn't make it because of distortion and levels but everything else was just completely live no doctoring plus a Bob Dylan song I had added to the live set it's eight this fire songs and a Bob Dylan cover and
2: which Bob Dylan
4: song it's from his *The Times They Are a-Changing* album, and the song is called *The Ballad of Hollis Brown*. And I perform it playing a Nina Simone-like sinew man piano part. Okay. This is a very, very sad folk song, right? And there's 11 verses of the story of Hollis Brown and his family in South Dakota.
3: So now, it's a genius song. I have a question about you. Collaborated with Dolly Parton. So, what was that like?
4: Oh, it's like one of the best days of my life. <laughs> I love her <it> so much. <laughs> I mean, I just, I love this human being. She's just such a treasure. She's a national treasure.
3: And you know, you hear stories about her and everyone we've talked to that has worked with her just says you know, she really is just a, a wonderful person.
4: I know, it's like a connection to God or something. She's a twinkling, fairy human being. I'm sure like she meditates or prays every day because she's just glowing and beautiful and kind and funny and nobody's fool. Like the smartest person in the room, right?
3: Absolutely. Before we let you go, your daughter Sky, is she following your footsteps into music? Well, we shall see.
4: For years, it's been, Mommy, stop singing. Uh, And now she (laughs) says, I'm kind of mortifying, you know, because every mother is when your daughter's in ninth grade. But I think that because music took me away physically, and even psychically, like when you sing, you're all into the music and Mm -hmm. kind of leave your daughter. So I gave her her first seven, eight years of her life all without any competition for music. And then I got working again. And I think that She had a hard time sharing me with the world, right? Uh (laughs) So she's not like one of those easy kids that I can just take on gigs. She um, she takes it personally. She is very strong. And so music was mine, and she didn't venture there. But now she's starting to discover like Hamilton. She knows every song, and I'm listening to her sing, and I'm thinking that's really good. And she's breaking out into
3: harmony. (laughs) You know? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Surprising. (laughs) Yeah, that's surprising. It's in the genetic code. Mm -hmm. All right, (laughs) Paul. We want to thank you for joining the show. It's awesome to hear about the hits and about the new live album and the tour. So oh, the jazz album is out. Please join us again. Oh my gosh, I would love to. And you guys are just gorgeous.
4: But <laughs> just thank you for the conversation. Your support is so lovely.
3: Thank oh, you so much. Thanks. Awesome, awesome. Alright, take care. That's Grammy Award winning singer-songwriter Paula
2: Cole. When we come back, you're gonna hear from multi-award-winning pianist and composer Doug Hammer. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan
1: Dermatology. She had two babies, one was six months, one was three.
0: Here's Mulberry Lane.
3: Thanks for keeping it here on The Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, Doug Hammer's new album, Americana, hit number eight on the iTunes New Age chart, and it celebrates the best of American traditional folk and patriotic songs, along with some of his own original songs as well. Now, this accomplished pianist joins your weekend to talk about what inspired the album, how he captures raw emotion, and who this album is dedicated to.
2: Doug Hammer, here we go, Americana piano,
3: yeah,
5: yeah. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. That's quite a beautiful harmonies and entry there.
3: (laughs) Happy to have you on the show, Doug.
5: Well, I really appreciate it. And yeah, Americana, this is an album that I wanted to do for quite some time, actually.
3: Okay, so it's Uh, been rolling around in your head for a while.
5: All the way back when I first started piano, uh, when I was six. Some of the first songs that I learned how to play were the simple uh, patriotic songs. Right. You know, they stayed with me. I just decided I wanted to finally put out an album dedicated to this beautiful country. And I also was inspired to write some of my own compositions for it as well. So it's a nice mix of patriotic songs and original.
3: For some of the songs, you went back, starting with just the very simple melodies, kind of just breaking it down. How did you then build it back up or remain simple with the arrangements?
5: I would say the pre-production process for me is what takes quite a bit of time. For example, the Star Spangled Banner, has been done so many different ways. So I actually stripped it way down, just a simple right-hand melody and just build it up from there. I can tell you that for this album, originally I thought of just having a few guest instruments here and there, and it really became a much bigger project than I had initially thought it would be. So now,
3: did that happen when you crawled into it and you thought, gosh, this would really be great if we brought this in now?
5: Not pre-planned. Okay. Uh, I really just go with the flow. Uh, I have kind of a general idea. For example, some of my originals, like the first track on the album is called The Spirit of America. And I've been very much influenced by uh, a lot of film music, by John Williams, a lot of film composers. It just grew and grew, and it's this big orchestral number. Uh, Same thing with Redemption. They just grew organically into these much larger arrangements than I initially had thought.
3: Okay. And some of the songs actually have vocals as well. So talking about why you chose those songs to put vocals on and how that all came together and who you used.
5: So I have the songs Shenandoah and The Water is Wide, my top two favorite folk Americana tunes of all okay. time, and Boston's Americana Sister Act, and they're called uh, Aria and Mia Friedman. They both sing. Ari plays cello. Mia plays fiddle. I was just really struck by their talent, uh-huh. and I'm really happy with how those turned out. It's nice to feature people on, sure. on your recordings. yeah. You know?
3: And, you know, it has to be the right fit.
5: Exactly. Uh Living in the Boston area, there's just such a wealth of talent. A lot of wonderful musicians that play regularly with the Boston pop. Yeah, nice uh, to have
3: access to all of that.
5: Yes, Uh exactly.
2: Well, right now you're listening to The Mulberry Lane Show, and we're talking with
3: multi-award
2: winning pianist and composer Doug Hammer about his new release, Americana.
3: So now you're known for really... Playing with raw emotion. So, how do you capture that? How do you perform that?
5: It's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I would say what I tend to do is I start recording early on in the process. Okay. So, okay. even when I'm just trying songs out for tempos and different arrangements, I'll be recording that. Yep. Once it starts to come together, uh, some of those early takes have a lot of raw emotion in them. Do you, you go back aware. and
6: listen?
5: Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I'll take notes on those early takes. It's kind of hard to step outside of yourself and be objective, but I try to do that. Because what I've learned is I can over-refine something, and it can be less emotive, right. but it could be played better technically, right. and that's not what I'm going for. Okay. <laughs>
3: okay. Do you know you where know? that line is now?
5: It depends. Okay. I'll tend to over-record. Okay. And so sometimes I'll have a song that I've tried different things. And I may have like 30 different takes over seven different recording sessions. Uh, what I tend to do is just record, I would say, two or three takes and then move on to another song because it, it can lose its presence. It can, mix. yeah. But what I found is I could start the day and not feel very creatively inspired, okay. but I, I know by now that I just need to start. And when I start... It's like you can't wait to feel this creative inspiration When I start, all of a sudden some magic can happen Just because I'm in the process of doing it It finds you (laughs) Yes
2: (laughs) (laughs) So now if you have a lot of different takes then Mm -hmm. Do you ever come to the point where you narrow it down And you've got two or three that you really like And you can't decide which one to go with?
5: That has happened (laughs) Especially on uh, my last album Haiku uh, Which was very stripped down there were two versions of one of my songs and I'm like, I love them both and I'm like, they both feature the song differently and I would just flip-flop back and forth, put it on the shelf for a week, come back, listen to them again in a different order until I finally decided. So that does happen. That can be hard uh, to
3: make that Uh decision. That is hard. Talk about who you dedicated the album to.
5: To our men and women in the uniform, to our veterans, to the armed forces, you know, to the American people as well and the ideals which uh, this country was formed and founded on. And Uh, you made, in your
3: trailer for the album, you made a point to say this is not a political album at all, which you kind of have to clarify in today's
5: environment. Totally. And I released it on uh, Veterans Day, actually. It was right after the election, and uh, working with reviewers and so forth, I would just stress over and over again that this album is a celebration of America. All the wonderful diversity that makes this country great. There is absolutely nothing political about it. It is love of country. Mm
3: -hmm. You kind of feel like music should take on the role of bringing people together, not further politicizing them.
5: Exactly. And so that's what I tried really hard was to unify through the music and just to celebrate.
3: Now, do you have a favorite track?
5: Oh, that's hard. I would say uh, I'm a California native, but I grew up in the Midwest in the Chicago area okay. and then later moved to Boston for music school and then stayed in the Boston area. But uh, I feel like a Midwesterner at heart and yeah. Heartland is definitely my favorite. <laughs> okay. That song I just really wanted to capture is just very slow moving pastoral. A lot of landscapes, for example, it's hard for me to describe in words. Hence the music.
3: And then was there a track or a song on the album that you really struggled more than you ever thought you would
5: with? Um, Redemption was difficult. I had been to Arlington National Cemetery uh, a number of times, the American Cemetery in uh, Normandy last year. Okay. Okay. And I really wanted to uh, honor those that gave the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. and do it in a very respectful way, okay. the most respectful way that I could. So working on that song, it ended up getting more and more dramatic in terms of the arrangement.
1: Okay.
5: Uh, it just has this huge build. Then it gets very quiet. That's, I would say, my second favorite okay. song. Okay. So
3: after the struggle, you know, it ended uh, up as one of your favorites.
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like the hardest song ends up being your favorite. One. Right. right. The well. one you struggle with the most. Well, oh, that's
3: yeah. good. Okay, and then yeah. are you touring, Doug?
5: In the near future, up and down the West Coast in the Pacific Northwest, all of that information will be at doughammer.net when it's ready to go.
3: Okay, and then if you pass through yeah. the Midwest, you'll have to join us again down the musical road.
5: Yes, I would love to. Love hearing (laughs) about your
3: process and the music in the new album Americana.
5: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
3: Well, that was multi-award-winning
2: pianist and composer Doug Hammer with his latest release, Americana. Gotta download it. Well, we'll be right back with jazz and new age artist Louis Colliana. He's got a concert in the area this weekend. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Here's Doug Hammer.
0: got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane.
3: Well, classical pianist and songwriter Louis Koleana continues the Independence Day celebration this weekend at Sumter Amphitheater Arena. Now, it's called an Independence Weekend Bash, and it's on Saturday, July 8th at 7 p.m., so make sure you treat yourself to this classical musician and entertainer. It's a show you absolutely do not want to miss. (laughs)
2: Co on our show talking about the music vision and
6: piano. <laughs> oh you guys are great. Thank you so much. thanks for having me oh,
3: great to have you back. Okay so now what can people expect from the show this weekend?
6: Well you know it's just gonna be like uh, a lawn party. okay uh, It's gonna be jazz, upbeat, pop jazz, uh, all upbeat music. We've got the bands coming in. Okay. Uh, Donovan Johnson is an Omaha guy Him and his band's going to be there I'm going to be there with my band awesome. It's going to have a blast yeah. Okay,
3: so now you've been playing piano since little up So at what point did you know this is what you wanted to do?
6: Well, you know, the first time I played a piano I just so fell in love with it And I've been in love with it ever since
3: So is there a point at which you said You know what, I can make a career of this
6: I can do this You know, I'm still trying to make a career. (laughs) (laughs) It never
3: ends, right? (laughs) I love that honesty.
6: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a tough business. But, you know, in 1999, actually, I uh, retired from my day job and just started doing music full time. And just jumped in with both feet.
3: So now it's one thing to play the piano, which, you know, is a difficult instrument to play and master. But it's another thing to craft a whole stage persona, too. So how did you go about that side of things?
6: You know, I just sort of stumbled into it. I uh, didn't, like, do any choreography or didn't do anything I planned. I mean, I performed so much that it's just become a a part of me. A natural thing, yeah.
3: Yeah, and you feel very comfortable up on the stage,
6: obviously. You know, I really do. That's Uh where I feel most at home.
3: Meant to be. So what are some of
2: the songs that you guys are going to be doing this weekend?
6: Well, I'm going to be doing my song, Obsession. Okay. Which I just found out from the Berkshire Media Group just hit number one in May.
2: Okay, Ooh, great.
6: Yeah, it's my first number one jazz single, so I'm pretty excited about that. Okay. And um, some of my other stuff, my most recent release before Obsession was Spring Break, upbeat original jazz music.
3: Okay, and then will there be, obviously, some patriotic songs a part of this as well?
6: Yeah, we're going to throw in some patriotic stuff. And a portion of the proceeds, by the way, are going to the Nebraska Wounded Warriors Project. So. Okay,
3: so that's a great cause right there. And then the latest album That was released Last November Tell us about that
6: Yes Four days in my life I recorded it With Will Ackerman You know Founder of Hill Records The mellow New Age stuff That kind of music That kind of vibe Yeah that kind of vibe And um, actually It's kind of interesting I was on tour One of the stops On my tour Was to go back To Vermont And record this with Will Ackerman And I was just uh, About a month out And I realized Holy smokes I don't have any music To record I haven't written anything (laughs) So I took a week And I sat on the beach In Florence, Oregon I took my keyboard and my laptop out in the sand and I wrote most of the music for the album, Sitting on the Beach. So
3: it was a very inspirational place for you.
6: Oh, it's extremely inspirational. If you've never been to Florence, Oregon, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. So four days, I wrote the music for this. That's that's where the title came from. That's where the title came from.
3: Okay. Well,
2: right now you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, and we're talking with classical pianist and composer Louis Coliana. And this weekend he's passing through the heartland. He's in concert at the Sumter Amphitheater in Papillion. So yep. now, do you thrive under pressure like that, knowing that you had to write it quickly?
6: I really do, yeah. Okay.
2: Like they say, you can't get anything done without a deadline.
6: <laughs> That's true. And I subscribe to theory, you know, if you wait till the last minute to do something, it only takes you a minute to do it.
3: Right. I love that. <laughs> we might borrow that one from
6: you. You're welcome to.
3: <laughs> so now what's your next project?
6: Yes, got another uh, jazz single. We're recording it in July. It's called By the Seed. Okay. And then I'm also working on a New Age album and doing it myself. And uh, hopefully release that this fall.
3: So, now, do you have between the jazz and the New Age? Does one inform the other? Do you have one you like better?
6: You know, I really, really, really enjoy performing the jazz. Okay. Because I like the energy. I'm an old rock and roll guy anyway. So, I, I like okay. the high energy and the audience really getting into it. Standing and yelling and clapping I I love that stuff Composing, my favorite probably is the New Age So they're each a different part of you Different part of me, yeah. yeah
2: And so what do you want people to take away From your concert this weekend?
6: You know, I want them to come away Just energized and inspired and happy And just have a good time You know, bring a blanket, sit out on the lawn There's food, drinks, and adult beverages will all be available You know, relax, have fun
3: and with the Nebraska weather, if it's a nice evening, it could be a dream concert. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's going to be a dream concert, dream concert regardless. regardless <laughs> but let's hope there's no hail or the weather tornadoes. <laughs> tornadoes.
6: Oh, believe me, I'm dreaming about this concert already. So, yes, I hope it's a dream concert. Awesome. Yeah. And then tickets? They can get tickets on site or they can get them ahead of time at uh, Sumter, S U M T U R dot org.
3: Great. Okay, Louis, thank you for joining our show. And when the new single's out, you have to come back.
6: Hey, sounds like a plan. Thank you, ladies. Really uh, appreciate it. Okay, great. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Louis.
3: Okay, guys, that's Louis Coliana. Make sure you check out the concert this weekend, Sumter Amphitheater Lawn Concert, outdoors, patriotic music. Should be a great night of family fun. show. We'll catch you next time you fly through town. Allie. Okay. Well, we got to say big radio hugs
2: and girl high fives to singer songwriter, Paula Cole. Paula, we love your enthusiasm, honesty, and real stories about being a trailblazer in the music industry for women and continuing to do just that. Paula, thanks for dropping by. And we will continue to ask your question. Where have all the cowboys gone?
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And finally, Big thanks to Boston pianist and composer Doug Hammer. Check out his new album, Americana, a perfect soundtrack to the rest of your summer. And Doug, thanks for sharing your creative journey. And your ideas for keeping those creative juices flowing. And guys, next week, country music star Mark Chestnut stops by the show. You're going to hear all about his latest project, so make sure you join us same time, same place next weekend. We'll be waiting right here for you. That's right. Bo, stay
2: happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's
1: a wrap. Baby, take a breath, just say yeah. See yeah.